You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. We've heard horror stories from colleges across the university. Students are even stupider now thanks to ChatGPT. They're not learning anything. They're just copying and pasting their homework from ChatGPT and turning it in. That's happening. But is it as prevalent and as scary as we might think? My guest, John England from the Libertas Institute, joins me today, and we're going to talk about AI and education. Should you, if you have kids, should you embrace AI or should you keep them off of ChatGPT like you would other naughty sites? Let's talk about it right after these words here on The Chris Spangle Show. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. We run on the value for value model here on the Chris Spangle Show and the We Are Libertarians podcast network. That means... Do you get value out of the show? Do you learn something that helps you sound smarter when talking with your friends? Do you feel a little bit more connected to the world and inspired to do something a little bit differently? Well, then please give some value back. And the best way that you can do that is through our Patreon. You can go to supportcss.com or patreon.com slash libertarians, and you can join our Patreon. Not only do you support the program and the entire We Are Libertarians podcast network, by helping pay all of the bills, you're also going to get ad-free shows. You're going to get early releases, sometimes months in advance in terms of episodes that haven't been released in the public feed yet. You'll also be able to get the full archives, the full RSS feed of all the past episodes. And there's even a tier that you can come on the show or you can have your name mentioned every episode like I am about to do right now. Thank you so much to our $100 a month members, especially Vincent Pykel, Matthew Durbin, Jason Doolittle, Christy Avery, and our good friend Reinhold. Thank you so much for supporting us, and we appreciate everybody that considers making a contribution today. John England, thanks so much for joining me again. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to be back on with you. Yeah, I had such a great conversation with you last time. I am looking forward to it again. And since we last spoke... Gosh, I, I don't know if it's been a couple months or what, but I've started using a lot more AI technology in my work to help cut things like load this entire video file up and make me some TikTok videos. And I've been using ChatGPT as consistent to think things through. And there are like, gosh, 10 different tools a month. It feels like for podcasters coming on. How much bigger is it in a space like education where people actually have money? Yeah, that's a wonderful question. Wonderful question. And the thing is that AI, it's so new. And honestly, a lot of, of 
people, when they see something new, they start to fear it. And they're like, what should we do? Should we let kids even use this and experiment with it? And in my mind, the answer is yes. ChatGPT right now is probably still the most used in education. Uh, but there's some really legitimate uses of AI in education. For example, if I write a paper, I'm not great with deciding if I've used passive voice or active voice. So I can load my paper into ChatGPT and say, identify all the times that I use passive voice. And it will come back and it'll give me a little report and highlight the areas and I can go in and I can fix it, right? Or give me all the times when uh, I misused commas or grammar or something like that. And it can really help with the the refining of writing projects and other things. And so really AI, I think, has some really amazing uses. And Khan Academy just came out with Conmigo, which is an AI chatbot used specifically to help kids learn math. It's not giving them the answer, but it will walk them through some things to think about. So there's definitely a lot of uses in education when, when it comes to AI. I guess if you had a problem with Google, then you might have a problem with ChatGPT because like I was writing something that I needed to finish today and I used ChatGPT and Bard, Google's chatbot, to discover some of the basics around the German uh, American Turner movement. <laughs> like very <laughs> like obscure thing that if you ask Google some questions, you may get a couple different sites, but like ChatGPT and Bard were able to find all sorts of new different sources that I wouldn't have found somewhere else. That to me doesn't sound all that scary, nor is it cheating. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. And I've used ChatGPT quite often in the work that I do. Sometimes like I, I do a lot of writing for my work and I use it for idea generation, right? I'm like, okay, give mm. me 10, 10 most common arguments against education choice. And I can think about those and it gives me all that information. I can Think about how would I respond to that based on my audience. I know that there's people with like in digital marketing can use this tool to be like, okay, create a profile of a customer that meets these types of things. What types of things would they like? What types of things would they not like? So there's very legitimate uses. And the kids who are not exposed to that are going to be behind when it comes to their time to enter the marketplace. And so using AI, I think, is such an important tool. And I think schools can do a lot to encourage the use of it, but encourage it in a way that still involves critical thinking. Responsible because, ways, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Responsible ways of using it. But really, in, critical thinking is going to be so much more important hmm. in a world with AI than rote memorization. Because... We have all the information right at our fingertips, but we need to be able to discern if that information is accurate, if it makes sense, if it fits in with what, we're, what we've been taught all our lives. All of those things, we need to be able to understand that and ask questions, be like, is that really the case? Because we're already seeing it. Deep fakes for political like ads and stuff like that are a thing. And so John, I've seen so many people who are in the older category share pictures of like Israeli soldiers holding Palestinian children and like they have seven fingers. And you're like, how did you not look at the fingers first? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's just there, there's definitely some concerns with AI. Don't get me wrong. We definitely need to take it with a grain of salt. But but completely running from it doesn't make any sense either. People felt that same way when about the personal computer coming into the homes. It's going to ruin education. It's going to ruin kids. It's going to 
ruin all these things but now what, what is your opinion them. on cursive john let me ask you that because that's <laughs> a big battle here in indiana is we need to teach the kids cursive and i'm like it's 2023 what are you all going on about <laughs> i'm torn on that i like boomer but <laughs> a little bit older but but that's for very different reasons i've looked into it like it actually i've seen some studies where it helps with spelling ability because you're mm. connecting the letters together now I, I get it. Like I don't use cursive except when I sign my name. That's the only time right. I use cursive, but you got me on a hot take there with cursive. No, I do. The value of writing with paper, I don't do it anymore. But I think the way that I was brought up, we're roughly the same age. I'm 40. I don't yeah. know where you're at. I'm 43, uh, but so. Yeah. So like we are bookend basically what was termed the most intelligent generation in history because we were raised and learned early on in book learning. And I remember card catalogs at libraries and had encyclopedias and our techniques were largely writing on paper, but then we were also digital natives. And so it gave us that advantage. And I wonder if there are people in middle school and high school right now who are on the verge of this AI revolution that will be even smarter because they have sort of exposure to us and our way of thinking, but then they also have, learned some digital techniques in ways that I wouldn't know how to manage. If I went back to, to high school, I'm sure I'd, I wouldn't know what to do with a Chromebook. And then you're also going to understand, I think things like chat GPT and how to leverage that better. Yeah, absolutely. I've got high school students that I'm the father of, right? I'm the father of five kids. I'm a former elementary teacher and principal, and I can see the absolute value of using AI in an education setting. There's no reason that we shouldn't be teaching kids how to use these tools and teach them to use them responsibly. We, I actually wrote a, a model policy because that's some of the work that I do talking about how schools should require kids to share how did they use AI in this assignment. And then if a kid uses it like 90 plus percent of the for their entire paper, you can talk to them and be like, hey, we need more of your thoughts, not AI's thoughts in this paper, right? But if a kid used it for idea generation, if they used it to check their grammar, like what's wrong with that? There's yeah. nothing wrong with that. It's just a tool that makes it easier to get the things done. I have Grammarly, it checks around 57,000 words a week for me. Not just my stuff, but the stuff that I copy and paste, all that, right? So I'm yeah. writing all the time and Grammarly is always updating and teaching me things. And I've gotten, instead of they, I use who. <laughs> so I, I guess the freak out, you tell me, okay, I remember when we were in school, Wikipedia was, oh, you can't use Wikipedia. It was new in high school, college. You can't source. So that's just ridiculous. We need to have a class on how to teach you how to source properly and cite things and wikipedia is not a reliable source because it's editable meanwhile it's better than most things probably <laughs> better than those old encyclopedias that couldn't be changed is that a comparable an analog to the discussion around chat gpt or is the freak out way much way bigger is the the sea change way bigger and like there's it's just hard to understand how big of a deal chat gpt is in schooling right now in terms of fear yeah, I think it's a very comparable idea. Wikipedia, I use Wikipedia all the time. I know people who use Wikipedia actually to keep up on current events because it is editable. When new things come out, it gets added to the same page and you just read that page and you can see all of the things that are happening. So 
it's great for things like Israel and Hamas right now, like being able to keep up on all of the things and you're getting all of the sources at once. And AI, it, it's a very similar idea of like, it's here, it's here to stay. We need to figure out how to use it in education to improve it. And that's really what AI is there and what it's all about. So that's what I'm looking at. And so there are definitely teachers who are embracing that. They're mm. more forward thinking, but then there's some who are like, they don't even want to have a Chromebook in their classroom because they're, they fear technology altogether. That's just the reality of education. And so being able to maybe have a policy of what does this look like? Because honestly, as a school district, if you don't have a policy, your policy is anything goes. Hmm. So you need to have some kind of a policy saying, look, you can use AI, but you got to tell us how you used it so that we can evaluate your critical thinking skills in this assignment. So in terms of technology in the classroom, is it up to every teacher how they use? Could I have one English class where they it's just here's your textbook and then another class where it's Chromebook based? Like does or does the school or the school district kind of set everybody's got to do it this certain way with technology? When it's new, it's really the Wild West. You might have one teacher who doesn't allow anything, and you might have another one that's completely forward-thinking and, and able to embrace these new technologies. So it, it really depends. And so that's why I think it, it's really important for these school districts to jump on to giving the teachers some guidelines of this is okay, this is not okay, talking about like we really want to encourage children to be critical thinkers when they're using this in their in their research, in their assignments, and be able to explain why they used it that way, how they used it. Those are really going to be important things. And then again, teaching them those critical thinking skills, teaching them how to question the information that's being presented to them from an AI. I can go into chat GPT. I did this just a few months ago, and I asked it to explain how to do multi-digit multiplication and it got it completely wrong. Those things still exist in the world of AI. There's still inaccuracies. And so we have to teach children how to question the information that's being presented so that they can do it correctly and do it in a way that is beneficial to themselves and they're not perpetuating uh, falsehoods. Yeah, it seems to me that th there was a meme going around and it said, if you're using AI to write your book, then why would anybody want to read a book that you spent no time working on? Because a book takes 10 years of a person's shared it lived experiences and three years of work to truncate it down into a book and it, you're using it to just generate crap, then who's going to want to listen to that? And I think that to me, a, a lawyer was saying, "You, I'm using it to write this, but the value in me is that I know that this is what is actually good and this mm -hmm. is what is bad. And that seems to be the important part. So how as a teacher, would you help get students to do that critical thinking to understand this is what's good? It's not just getting the task done. It's getting the task done well. That's where teachers need to experiment with it as well. And let the students experiment, let them experiment with how can I use this in this way and explain those things? There are definitely techniques where you can get much better answers and responses from AI than, than just like typing in the essay question and letting it write the essay for you. I use that all the time. In fact, I go through and my very first question almost every time when I use ChatGPT is, I'm going to give you a prompt, help me make it better, right? And then the AI just helps me refine it, ask me questions I didn't think about. Like, who's your audience? Things like that. And it's, 
if you could teach a kid, that's a very simple thing to add before you put in any prompt. And it requires the student to really think while they're going through and using the AI in, in, in their writing or in whatever project they're working on. And so being able to teach those techniques, and that requires some research on the teacher's part. And some of the teachers out there are still not digital natives, right? They're 10, 20 years older than you and I, and they're yeah. still out there teaching. And so they're not digital natives. And so it's very scary for them. But being able to give them some really specific things that they can have the kids try and experiment and see, okay, here's the prompt. See if you, what is the best way that you can put this into chat GPT? And that becomes the assignment. There are definitely things that you can do with AI in that way and improve education and have them learn AI at the same time. Does this almost become a way to help alleviate the problems with overcrowded classrooms? Because now what you're describing, it almost sounds like every kid has their own little teaching assistant. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that's what Khan Academy did with their AI chatbot, Khan Migo. And there's another school, OutSchool, which is an online platform for where you can pick and choose classrooms, has starting to create an AI chatbot for what they're working on. And so there, that actually is where I think the, the most innovation is happening in AI and education is in this idea of a personalized tutor. And you can get an AI that's very specific to, to a subject like mathematics. You can put in absolute rules for mathematics. The AI can understand it. And then you can give it some ways of responding naturally when a student tries an assignment and be like, I didn't get that right. Why didn't I get that right? And they can explain it to them, right? So you can yeah. program the AI to do those things. People think, yes, it's called artificial intelligence, but they're still programmed by humans. There's still some human input that goes into those things. And we think of all the, the movies where AI takes over everything. We're not to that point, and I don't know that we will ever get to that point, but right now it can be very assistive in in helping kids and really individualizing education for sure. And it's that idea of a tutoring AI chatbot. I think that's going to be the next thing. I don't know that we're there yet, but I think that's going to be the next thing that happens in AI and education. Yeah, so I was at a podcast convention this past weekend, and there was a gentleman who gave a talk on AI for podcasters. And he's a professor of AI down at, I think, Louisiana Tech. I'm going to have him on podcasting and platforms, my other podcast about content creation. And he was saying that, look, AI and ChatGPT get everything like 80% right or 80% of the way there. It's not dragging you across the finish line. What are the trade-offs and the implications of having those research assistants sit next to the kids that are right 80% of the time? or maybe have just bad taste. Like you ask it to write you, you've asked it to write you something. I have it help me write stuff and I have to take all the adjectives out. And it's, it's just like, you can tell when somebody LinkedIn is just chat GPTing their posts. Does that eventually maybe 20 years from now down the road? Are we having kids that are just, you know, talking and writing weirdly and, and okay with maybe wrong facts? Like how do you kind of police that if, if the, the teaching assistant there is, incorrect no that that's that's a great question and something we definitely need to uh, pay attention to i think khan academy is doing it the right way in that regard i think they're leading the way in regards to this conmigo that they created because it, it's a very specific type of tutor right it's very specific to the math they have all of that already on their website 
all of the rules, all of the facts, right? And so being able to just program that into the AI and it's going to take refinement, but here's the thing, humans are not accurate 100% of the time either, right? And so we're definitely getting inaccuracies from parents, from teachers, from politicians, from everybody, right? And so the big thing that I think we just have to focus on in a world with AI and education is that idea of critical thinking, doing some research, asking questions, making people defend what they're saying, being it teaching them how to recognize some of those what are logical fallacies that, yeah. that people have ever, all the time, right? We have to teach that type of a thing in the world today. And if we do that, then it doesn't matter who's giving us the inaccurate information. If we're willing to ask those questions, we'll be able to find out, oh, yeah, this argument's falling apart because it's not true. And so that, I think, becomes so much more important, that ability. Yeah, I also think uh, part of it was discouraging this weekend, like, thinking about it, because I've been using all these different tools for what I do, like Descript to do some editing. And there was a session on how to edit. And I'm like, this really isn't going to be useful in five years. So there's yeah. all these people who are professional podcast editors who AI is just going to come in and like take out that part-time income stream that they have, because now you can just click a button, right? And it, it's, I think AI, it's like having a uh, personal trainer, mm -hmm. like AI is going to supplant in the middle, the podcasters who can't afford somebody to edit their podcast, but don't have the time. So now they would go, these tools will allow me to do the podcast. So the content will exist as opposed to not existing at all. So I think it's going to increase, but it, it drove home to me, the importance of understanding these tools and working with these tools and using them to elevate your game. Mm -hmm. Because if you're not doing that, you're going to get left in the dust by people who are using these tools effectively or even yeah. haphazardly. And that to me is a place where it's like teachers should not be afraid of this stuff. Because if that's just in my little niche industry of hobbyists, then how much more powerful in the industries or educational silos where AI is more powerful than something like podcasting? Yeah. And really, that's the whole point. Japan, I, I actually read an article, it was back in July. Japan is actually requiring AI to be taught in schools, right? And it's because these there's the world's changing and we're going to have these jobs, like maybe it's editing for podcasts, maybe it's coding is one of those things where AI is being used to to write code out. And, and it's still really crude and rudimentary, but it's not hard to see that, oh, this can be refined in not very many years. And so it's going to take some jobs away, but it's also going to create other jobs, right? Maybe you are able to, I don't know, use AI to create more content. And therefore, if you know how to use it well, you can do that, right? And so all of those things that you talked about putting your content in there and be like, okay, give me some snippets that I can then turn around and put on social media posts. That's a use of AI that I think will be around and maybe creates new jobs in that way. And, so and it's, it's like my industry. I, I 20 years into the radio industry and I'm one of the people that adopted podcasting early on and said, I need to know this. I need to master it. I need to learn it. Yep. I'm doing well. And the people who never wanted to learn any of the digital tools for radio, they're working at Walmart. Yeah. And that's how it goes. But things like I, I keep harping on it, but things like critical thinking skills, 
cooperation, teamwork, all of those things, collaboration are going to be more important for children to know. Because I don't know what technology is going to look like in 10 years when my 18-year-old, when my eight-year-old is 10 or, or 18. I can't speak today. Sorry. Words are hard. Good. <laughs> uh, but the, uh, you know, what, but in 10 years when he graduates high school, I don't know what technology will be out there. I mean, it's changing all the time. But if I know if he can think critically, if he can work with others and, and do all of those things, like he's going to be okay because when he needs to pivot and shift, he can pivot and shift with the changing world because that's the one thing that is constant is the world's always changing. And so we need to teach kids how to adapt and critical thinking is, is really that school, that main point. So. Don't worry about it. I'll edit that out with AI. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I was having a conversation again to relate it back to me, but I was just saying, I'm just so tired. I wish like I just had a job and stayed there for 30 years because now I'm having to think about pivoting again in my career. Yeah. And my wife says, has it ever been different? I go, no, not at all. It's the internet age. <laughs> That's the speed of things. And everything I do did not exist when I was in high school because of the internet. And it's blessed me with all these great opportunities and I just wholeheartedly agree with you, John. Don't fear it. Embrace it. Learn the tools. Get involved with it. And you'll have a career if you're one of these students because you understand it at a level that us old boomers in 20 years when we're 60 won't get. Yep. Yeah, that's exactly right. And just be able to adjust and adapt and all those things are going to be so important because the world just keeps changing. And it makes our lives better. It does. It makes our lives better as these things come in. I mean, poverty's down. Things like that are all of those things across the world because of technology. And technology is just going to always be around. It's going to be improving things and making things easier and, and better for us. So we just need to, you know, learn how to work with it. Joe Golisarian, a guest that I had on recently, said he thinks people will be working two to three days a week and get more leisure time than working time because of these things. So I, I think that'd be cool. I'd like an extra couple of days off. <laughs> I'm not sure if I'm there. I, I like working, but maybe yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm kind of weird. weird I know, me way. too. <laughs> I, uh, that's that whole Sabbath thing is rough for me. All right, John yeah. England, shameless self-promotion time. Where can people follow you? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at jengland1226. You can also follow me on Instagram and Facebook. So that's where I'm at. I also work for at the Libertas Institute. You can see my uh, writings there at libertas.org. All right, John England, thanks so much. Yeah, thanks for having me on. And thank you. This was an actual conversation between human beings. And if you got something out of it, then please share it. And we would appreciate your support. Thanks so much for joining us here on The Chris Spangle Show.